Please stand for the reading of God's word. Today's scripture comes out of the book of Mark, chapter 6, verses 6 through 13. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that that people would repent. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Thus be the word of God. Thank you. You may be seated. Hey, will you thank our worship team and Jason and Michael Lynn for bringing us this this far in the worship service? Thank you. Well, good morning. All right, place your bets. Is it a sunburn or a snowstorm this week? What are we getting? That was just crazy. Absolutely crazy. I, I've been shutting my eyes for two days. I don't even want to look at our yard right now because there's just branches everywhere. So, well, thank you for being here. And those of you joining us online, thank you for being here. If we haven't met, my name is Nathan. And uh, I find myself saying this a lot. I get the privilege of being pastor here at West Bowles. And uh, the plan was actually never to be a pastor, though. I was never planning on being a pastor. Um, I've, I've shared with some of you, my, my plan growing up was to be a firefighter. I was going to be a firefighter. And, um, you know, I just, growing up, you know, like little boys collect fire trucks and stuff like that. And, and I just didn't grow out of it. And so I'd see them go by on the street. And um, I actually got so excited when that siren would crank up. I guess I never thought to stop and think about the one who needed help. But anyway, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited about these fire engines going by. So I get out of high school and I, uh, Red Rocks Community College had like a, a fire academy program. And so I was going through this fire academy program and I was, I was just so sure this is what I wanted to do. And then the, maybe the beginning of realizing maybe this wasn't it, uh, they, toward the end of this semester, they put you in a concrete tower. And they tell you, hey, we've loaded this thing with wood pallets and hay and, um, you know, we're, we're just going to get a fire going in there. And I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> we're going in there? And they said, yeah, it's probably going to get, you're going in with a team of like five guys. And they said, it's probably going to get about seven, 800 degrees. But if you guys as a team vote to go hotter, what? Okay, if you vote to go hotter, we can... We can put more in there to make it hotter. And it was four to one in favor of going hotter. And it was not, I was the one, okay? And um, so they got that thing up to like a thousand degrees. And so you're sitting in there and the, the, it, it lights. As it, it, once you're in there, then they light it. And so you're watching this like wall of flame. And it's really incredible to see. But I think the moment I realized maybe this isn't what I want to do is my, my sweat is like coming down my forehead but it's heating up like 
to the point of, I think my sweat drops were boiling. And one, you can't rip your mask off in superheated air. I mean, you would, you would damage your lungs severely. And, but this boiling piece of sweat just like made its way right into my eye. And it was at that point I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think this is what I want to do with my life. I just realized all this time I wanted to be a firefighter, I wanted to be on the calendar of firefighters. I did not want to do this. I just wanted to be Mr. May. That's all I wanted to be. So still, still considered pursuing that for a little while, but uh, it became clear. Now, here's why I tell you that. I wish I had seen some of the signs along the way. I mean, why did it have to take boiling sweat flowing into my eyeball in a thousand degree heat to, to realize this? And I bring all that up because I think I could have spotted some things along the way. And in the passage we're in this morning, it's interesting because Jesus has called 12 disciples to him. And he gives them a mission that honestly, if we were to just try to take the passage that Michael Lynn just read and to try to uh, impose that on today, that, that's not a mission that we would have today. We, we were given a different mission before Jesus ascended into the heavens. But he gave them a specific mission that was to go to the lost sheep of Israel. There are a couple parallel accounts of what she just read in Matthew and in Luke. And uh, this was a mission really to Jews. To, and, and, and so as you look at it, you realize, okay, we can't really parallel the specifics of the mission, but there are buried in the, just this handful of verses for every single one of us some characteristics of the calling of ministry. And if you're in here right now and you have trusted in what Jesus Christ did for you at the cross, then this is a calling you have. The hard part is that if we don't recognize the characteristics of the ministry, you know what happens? We come to church on Sunday, but then that doesn't make it into Monday. And we go into Monday not looking for these characteristics of ministry. You know, we have an incredible Sunday. We have an incredible time. We got rest. It was the weekend. But then we get to Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And it's sometimes hard to draw the parallels and connect the dots. And so I want us to just walk through this morning. And I, wanna, I want us to together unearth what I believe in. And I found five. I mean, you could probably pull dozens out of this. But five characteristics of ministry, that if you follow Jesus Christ, this is the character of the ministry we are called to, every single one of us. No matter how old you are, no matter where you find yourself during the week, no matter where you're located, whether you join us in person or you join us online, five characteristics. And so let's walk through these. Let's read this first part. And there's, there's an overarching truth I want you to see uh, just with this first verse, uh, two verses, verses six and seven. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. Now, maybe you've heard this before, but if there's one thing that I want you to know this morning, and this goes for every single person in here, and this blew my mind the first time I ever read it somewhere. God does not call those who are qualified he qualifies those he calls. And there's a major, major, major difference between those two. But the thing that God does, you know, in the world we live in, we, we're used to getting a degree, we get fully prepared, and then we go. Yeah, that's not quite how God does it. I remember King David. 
King David got anointed by God long before he was ever appointed by God and put into his position as king, wasn't he? You can see this throughout scripture. God does it as we go and as he goes. And it's so uncomfortable. You know what that is? It's faith. It takes faith. And so look at this first characteristic. We're going to go back to the first part of that verse we just read. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He began to send them out. Do you notice the order there? Calling the 12 to him, he then began to send them out. You know what the first characteristic of ministry is? It is God originated. It is absolutely God originated. I mean, think about the 12. Just think about the 12 disciples, if you know anything about them. I mean, you can just walk through the Gospels, and it's just like facepalm moment after facepalm. It's like, well, what are you guys doing? And yet, we all know it's really a mirror reflection of ourselves, isn't it? I mean, you just look at it, and you think, what are you guys doing? And, and if, you were, if we were to sit in their place, I, I, I think we could understand why they do things the way they do, and why they make the, you know, we point out mistakes in their lives. It's because they're, orig- they're starting with who? Themselves. And who do you and I naturally start with? Ourselves. But if we want to have power in ministry, then the first thing we've got to know, one of the first characteristics is it is God originated. And when God originates it, that's the source. That's what we need. Some of you may be familiar with the movie Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty, there's a, Jim Carrey is the main character. He plays this guy who's just, he's fed up with the way God runs the universe. And he gets so fed up that he's crying out one day and God surprises him. He says, well, guess what? You get to run the universe for a week. You get to run the universe for a week. And so one of his tasks, obviously, is answering prayers. And so um, as soon as this responsibility is transferred over to Bruce in the movie, uh, he feels the full weight of it. And uh, there, there are just like requests that just show up in his apartment. And so with his divine power that he was given, he, his first idea is, okay, I know what I'll do. I'll put all the prayers into files. And suddenly his apartment fills up with file cabinets. He goes, ooh, okay, maybe, maybe not that, maybe post-it notes. And suddenly there are post-it notes just wallpapering his entire place. He goes, ah, maybe it's prayer, prayer email. We'll get prayer email. Immediately, his email inbox fills up with 1.5 million prayer requests. And so thinking he's going to outsmart God, he goes, ah, I know how I would do it. I'm, I'm just going to, um, we'll just answer them all immediately. So he answers them, and in that amount of time, 3 million more requests show up. Finally, he gets exhausted. He says, I know what I'll do. I'll just say yes to everybody. And he is completely exhausted by the end of the week. You want to know what happens in ministry if it is not God-originated? Completely exhausted. And you will say yes to everybody just to try to, to keep the tidal wave of the weight of it all from crushing you. That's characteristic number one. Ministry is always God-originated. But if we go just a couple more words... Look what he says. Look what Mark tells us. Calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two. Two by two. 
I mean, you go through the gospel accounts and you see that the, the disciples are often listed in pairs. But he says they, they went out two by two. You want to know what else ministry is? It's not just God originated. It's people saturated. And that's tough, especially if you're an introvert. I know I asked a few if you're an introvert to raise your hand a few weeks ago, and then I realized that's not going to happen. And so, um, but ministry is always people saturated. It just is. And yet, it, especially in America, especially in 2022, especially after a pandemic, you want to know what's so easy to do is to go Lone Ranger. Uh, I'm just going to do my thing in ministry and it's me and God and, and we're just, if everybody would just figure out what God and I have figured out, then, then the world would be a better place, right? He says, no, I, 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 I'm going to send you out two by two for credibility, for support, for unity. I mean, think about all the different commands of Jesus. I mean, how many one another's are there? You know, when he asks us to love one another, to forgive one another, you notice that takes takes another person, doesn't it? There is so much in ministry that has to happen side by side with people. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He, there's a book, uh, a book, a compilation of his writings, or maybe he authored this book called Life Together. And here's what Dietrich, uh, a portion of what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says in there. The Christian, he's speaking to an all-male seminary here. And so his use of brother and him and all that, this could obviously be equally applied to, to ladies. The Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's, God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. That's why we go two by two. That's why, whether, whether it's, it's just you and one other person or it's you and a hundred other people, this is ministry. It is people saturated. I want to do something here real quick. And um, I, I did not get to talk about this last week. But we had a group of people that now join us this morning that have never joined us before, actually. Um, there, there was a clap out last Sunday after church. The fifth graders who are finishing fifth grade uh, are moving up to sixth grade. And so I'm going to do this really uncomfortable thing right now. I'm going to ask if you're one of those, would you stand up for a second? All right. Yeah. So I want to talk to you guys for a second. Do we have any others? Okay, that makes this really easy. All right. One of the best pieces of advice I could give you because we walked, I don't know how many, we'll just say billions, billions of youth to senior year. It wasn't billions. It was probably 10. Anyway, so is to find somebody. Find somebody. Because I can't tell you the number of seniors who, when they graduated high school with their faith still intact, you know what I said? I would ask them every single, every single year, how did you make it? How did you make it? How did you make it? You know what they said? I had somebody else. I had somebody else encouraging me in my faith. It is people-saturated. And so that means we all have—you guys can sit down. My daughter's glaring at me right now. Okay. 
We all have a personal responsibility to make sure that them and nobody else in here walks alone. And we all have a personal responsibility that if we sense we're getting lonely, if we sense we're trying to do ministry alone, to reach out. It's a mutual submission. It's a mutual responsibility that we have to one another as a body of Christ because it is people-saturated. Characteristic number three. We'll finish, finish just the, the, those two verses right here. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. Gave them authority. You want to know what else ministry is? It's God-originated. It's people-saturated. It is God-delegated. God-delegated. Think about the last time you had a task delegated to you. I mean, you, you likely didn't, like, take that lightly, did you? No. And, and he didn't just delegate, like, uh, the leftovers. Oh, you're just the errand boys. He didn't say that. He said, no, you have my authority. Now, think. Think just in the book of Mark, the authority that we see Jesus display. It's over sickness. It's over spirits. It's over storms. I mean, the, the theme of authority just keeps coming up throughout Mark. And Jesus says, yeah, you go with my authority, the very authority of God. Now, let me ask you something. If you knew that, would that change your approach? I don't mean you'd storm out of here and start tackling people, okay, or anything like that. But see, so often, and this, is, this has been my journey too, especially when I was a teenager. I'd, I'd get all pumped up here on Sunday. I'd go out, and on Monday, I, I would just I'd be afraid, I'd be scared. Oh, what do I say? How do I approach? How do I talk to somebody about Jesus? Do we need to learn how to do that? Absolutely. But you got to know at the heart level, you go with his authority if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. But oftentimes, you know what we do? We hold up these, these heroes of the faith. You know, we got Moses and we got David and there's Gideon and, and Elijah and the disciples and the apostle Paul and so many others. And on Sunday, we're charged up over those accounts of what God did in and through them. And then we get before people and you know what we do? We cower. We cower and Jesus goes, no, you go with my authority. It is God delegated. Every single one of us. That's ministry. That's mission. We go with his character, with, with his confirming us, with his authority. Now, continue through the passage, we see a couple other characteristics of ministry. These were, excuse me, verse 8, these were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals but not an extra tunic. Now, you think about this, and you probably don't have to think too hard, back to like the book of Exodus. Remember when they set out, and even before Exodus, you got Abraham, when he set out, he didn't know where he was going. But Exodus, they're wandering through the desert for how long? 40 years. 40 years. And they've really got nothing. And yet here's God providing He's just providing in the wilderness over and over and over. See, ministry is also God-compensated. It's God-compensated. 
It's God-originated, people-saturated, God-delegated, God-compensated. That means he goes with you. He provides what you need. Now, that's hard, especially in America, isn't it? Because we live in the land of wants. And, and oftentimes we confuse, we confuse needs and wants, and we think, oh, I, I need, I need, I need, and God goes, well, you want, you want, you want. But I'll provide. I know best. I know what you need. And so when they would go, he said, yeah, you don't need to take an extra tunic, an extra shirt. This would imply, I'll, I'll provide even the place that you stay. I'll create the provision. And what strikes me about this is Jesus deliberately did this. You want to know why? Because Jesus says, look, the vehicle that's going to keep you going is not how much you get. It's going to be your faith. And so I need to do a faith-building thing through all this. They're not to go as beggars. Ministry gives. It gives, not gets. Now, you hear that, and it's like, ugh. Well, that stinks. When's the getting part? And we already had the getting part. Remember? Calling the 12 to him. When you are called to him, when you abide in him, that's where the getting happens. And yeah, we might run into perks along the way, but it is God compensated. There's an old movie, I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me, but you see this group of settlers that are traveling across the, across the wilderness. And there is one guy in the group, you know, many of them are living off the land, but there's one guy in the group who throughout the movie, he's got a bag and it's a bag full of like stuff to sleep and extra clothes and weapons and pots and pans and all this stuff. And when you get to the end of the movie, you know, they've gone miles and miles and miles and miles. They finally get to this, this uh, river and it's this fast part of the river that they've got across and he's faced with a choice. Are you going to keep carrying all that stuff? And the rest of the group is refreshed and they're fine because guess what they haven't been doing? They haven't been holding on and they haven't been carrying all the weapons and all the stuff with them. And he's faced with a choice. And you and I are faced with a choice. How much do we think we need? And how much are we going to keep carrying? Especially when it comes to ministry. How much do you think you need? But a lot of times, you know what we do? We go, oh, well, I'm not that person. And I don't have this situation. And I don't have this platform. And so I must not, I must not have a ministry. Of course you do. Of course you do. We move into a fifth characteristic. <clears throat> Verse 10. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. You know what that fifth piece of ministry is that you see here? It is God gravitated. By that I mean, I mean it gravitates around him, not us. And there's really three specifics that get unearthed here. First, relationships. Relationships. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. You know what that is? That's a stick with it. Stay with it. Remember we talked, was it last week or a couple weeks ago? We're just so fickle, aren't we? 
you know, our attention span, if, if it's not what, I, what I'm looking for in one spot, we will, we will just, we'll move on. Now I want you to think about this. What face comes to mind when you think about, it, just fill in this blank, if not for blank? I don't know if I'd know Jesus. You got a face coming to mind? I've got a few. And you know what those faces are every single time? They're people who just stuck with me. They didn't move on. They didn't run off when I got stubborn or even belligerent or hostile toward whatever their approach was. They stuck with it. See, we've got to be God-gravitated in our relationships with people. Next piece, verse 11. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So in rejection, even in rejection, we gravitate around God's heart. Okay, now when you read this, what do you think when you read this? If any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your, off your feet as a testimony against them. What emotion is coming to mind right now as you, as you read that? Maybe frustration? Maybe anger? Maybe bitter? You know, feeling the weight of being rejected? And yet, you know what this, this actually gets at? is sorrow. It's sorrow. That we're to have sorrow for the places that reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not frustration. So when he says, shake the dust, shake the dust off your feet, you know what he's saying? Don't carry that rejection with you. Leave it there. Literally shake whatever is part of that place off of your feet and move forward. You can have sorrow. This is what that great theologian Taylor Swift was trying to tell us. Shake it off. Shake, shake, shake it off, okay? I'm, I'm sure that's what she was saying, but anyway... So in our relationships, God's heart is stick with it. When we're rejected, it's sorrow for them. And then the third piece, the the way we gravitate around God's heart. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. In our results. In our results, we gravitate around the heart of God. See, because my idea of good results probably looks a little different than Jesus had. And your idea of spectacular results may look different than what Jesus was thinking. You know, I I one time heard somebody say that Jesus was possibly the worst small group leader in all of history because his entire small group of 12 people abandoned him in his hour of need. Now, he worked that out and he got, you know, he he got it figured out. But, you know, we, we get this picture of just everybody smoothly follows and it just works out. Yeah, that's not always the case, is it? And so we gravitate to God's heart in our relationships, when we're rejected, and in our results every single time. That's hard, isn't it? Because where's our orbit? Who's at the center of our orbit? It's us. There's a, uh, there's a professor from NYU. His name's Adam Alter. And he, um, he has observed the power of names to shape our actions and even our destiny. 
And, and here's what he has observed. He said, you just, you just have to look across different arenas of life. And, and the name, the identity that somebody takes on, it shapes. It shapes some results. And it shapes some things. Here's what he said. It's something called nominative determinism. And you don't need to remember that. That's not the important part. But just listen to these examples. The Chief Justice of England, up to a few years ago, you know the name? Igor Judge. Igor Judge. That name didn't change once he got into the position. He was born Igor Judge and became the Chief Justice of England. There's an Israeli tennis player, Anna Smashnova. Okay. Seven-time surfing champion, Lane Beachley. An Australian rules football player, Derek Kickett. Olympic rower from Britain, Stephen Robotham. A Jamaican drug dealer who was in prison, Christopher Koch. A doctor of urology known as A.J. Splat. And we all have heard of the fastest man on earth, Usain Bolt. And, of course, there is... um, your pastor, the greatest head of hair you've ever seen, Nathan Harrison, right? Okay. Oh, sorry, that needs more hair. Anyway, you think God has ministry figured out? You think he has it figured out? Of course. This is his thing. And so anybody that he would select and he would call into ministry, you know what he, you know what he wants to do? He wants to qualify them. God doesn't call those who are already qualified. He qualifies those he calls. And he begins to cultivate with these characteristics of ministry. God originated. It's people saturated. It's God delegated. God compensated. God gravitated. It starts with him. It goes with him. It ends with him. Now, you hear all that and you think, okay, So what's that mean for me? And see, there's this thing that I think we emphasize so much about our ability, right? I mean, how many times do you look in the mirror and and do as I've done so many times? You look in the mirror and you think, what do I have to offer? What do I have to offer? I mean, the first time that I was asked, "Would would you lead junior hires? I've shared this. I thought, no, junior high is the worst eight years of my life. I'm not, no, I'm not doing that, Okay. I don't have the ability. It was two years, by the way. Anyway, I don't have that ability. And we stare at ability, and we stare at ability, and yet you look at these 12 and the incredible things that happened in and through them because of Jesus and his Holy Spirit. You know what you realize? It's not about ability. It's about availability. Come with me, and I'll close with this. Come with me to Acts chapter 3 and 4. Peter and John. They're walking along. They see a man who was lame from birth. And and they see this man and they say, look at us. Look at us. And as they look at him, they say, look, silver and gold we do not have. But what I have, Peter says, what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. See, that's the kind of ministry that God called him into. And that's the character and the nature of ministry that God calls us into. That whether literally or figuratively, people who are once lame can walk. 
And as the authorities saw this, they dragged these guys before the Sanhedrin. And these guys want to know, by what authority are you doing all this? And, and this is after they've given this scathing testimony. That, oh, you guys, you guys did this to Jesus. But it's by his authority that we do what we do now. And you know what the result was? The leaders looked at him. And they were astounded. They were absolutely astounded that these were ordinary, unschooled men that had been with Jesus. Now think about it. Peter and John. You know, Peter's out just like he's impetuous all the way through the Gospels. And you're going, oh my gosh, Peter, what are you doing? And John, John's worried about his own glory and, you know, one of the sons of thunder. And it's just they're all about themselves until these characteristics get cultivated in them by way of the Holy Spirit. See, that's ministry. And so here's the question as the worship team comes back up. If God qualifies those, who's call, those he calls, the question isn't ability. It's availability. Are we available? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, and honestly, any, any of us could, could get up and look in the mirror and just wonder what on earth there is inside of us that you could use. And yet, I have yet to see your faithfulness fail yet. Because as I look around, whether it's people around me or I look through your word, there is not a single person that you cannot use in ministry and send on a mission. And so, Lord, as we look this week on our own at Mark chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 through 13, Lord, make these characteristics pop off the page. Lord, illuminate in our hearts what it is you want to do inside of us so that you can do that through us in other people's lives. Because, Lord, we know you are the God who, through the vehicle of faith, you qualify us for the calling that you've called us to so that your name would be glorified. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.